You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. if you would for the reading of the word this morning Luke chapter 4 thank you Jesus Luke chapter 4 read from verse 14 then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee the news of him went out through all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all it's a pretty wonderful testimony isn't it everybody glorified him drop down to verse 28 so all those in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Not as nice. A little different from everyone glorifying him to them wanting to throw him over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. This morning I want to talk to you about the law of familiarity. The law of familiarity. God, I thank you for your mighty power and spirit this morning. I thank you, Lord, for each one that is in the house of the Lord. And I pray, God, as we go into your word this morning, you'd open every heart and every mind, God, that is here or watching or listening this morning. And let your power and your spirit through the authority of your anointed word, God, go deep into our hearts and lives this morning and speak to us through your word, I pray. I pray for your anointing, God, this morning to rest upon your servant this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Cross and Law, that's a a firm that produced some statistics that I'm reading to you from this morning. Approximately 52% of all car accidents occur within a five-mile radius of people's home. About 69% of all collisions happen within 10 miles of where someone lives. Progressive Insurance did a study where they found a survey that 77% of all accidents that people are involved in happen within 15 miles of their house. Now, you may just say, why wouldn't they move? But that's not how it works. It may be surprising, but accidents are more likely to occur when you're driving in an area that you're more familiar with. Drivers are frequently less observant and not as cautious when driving on familiar roads. And they marked it down as one of the reasons is overconfidence. One incredible common reason why drivers wreck near their homes is because they're so familiar 
with their root. They may drive while distracted by eating or using their cell phone or maybe not paying close attention to the road. It's called the law of familiarity. It states when things become familiar to us that it becomes a natural or a normal part of our life. And we have the tendency to take those things for granted. Think about when you're maybe going to a new country for the first time. The people seem different. All of the, the sights and sounds excite you and you're compelled to want to explore and discover your new surroundings. And the longer you stay, you exhaust all those new things that you can do. And the place starts to become more familiar. The novelty kind of fades off and everything becomes more ordinary. This feeling that once compelled you to seek out uh, slowly starts to dissipate and you are ready then for a new adventure. It turns out that our brain is hardwired to pay attention to anything that's unfamiliar to us and there is a direct link between new things and our motivation. There's a region in our midbrain, and I am not a doctor. I'm only going on what I have read, called the substantia nigra ventral segmental. Okay? It's short for SN slash VTA. If you're in the medical field, maybe that's something you have knowledge of. I have no knowledge of that except for what I have read. That's activated when we're exposed to things that are unfamiliar to us. And when this area is active, it releases a, it releases a, 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 a dopamine which makes us want to go and explore and to search out or to get a reward for something new. German researchers, two doctors tested whether relative novelty or absolute novelty was required for this to be activated. Images that were slightly more familiar to the subject than others' relative novelty was tested in. And the images that were completely new compared to others had more effect on a person's brain. Dr. Duzzle said this about how novelty motivates us. When we see something new, we see it has the potential for rewarding us in some new way. The potential that lies in new things motivates us to explore our environment for a new reward. The brain learns that stimulus that was once familiar, and it has no reward associated with doing the same thing over and over. So we're looking for something new. Images on our everyday life. After understanding the unconscious processing uh, happening that's happening in our brain, it starts to help us understand the sense of why. That's why people get into new relationships. They become infatuated with each other. And, and when that familiarity kicks, kicks in, uh, they think it's all going to be awesome. Then all of a sudden, they start to take each other for granted. Or when you get a new car. <laughs> You keep it clean for the first few months. And then the frequency of the cleaning starts to decline. Or when you get a new job, you're motivated to maybe go in even early 
and work hard and give extra time. And all of a sudden, uh, 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 something happens inside of us that we feel like, well, you know, they wouldn't get rid of me. And maybe we start to take that for granted. It impacts people in their business lives. You can, you can read all about it with consultants and how the influences happen in business and that similar uh, to when parents tell kids something that they, uh, they don't want them to seem to listen. They, they, they don't listen to the parent, but someone else tells them and they immediately listen. Why is that? It happens to pastors sometimes. Pastor can be preaching the same thing for months, and an evangelist come in, and all of a sudden, man, we never heard that before. Never heard it before. Pastor's been saying it for two or three months. It's the idea that works inside of our brain when something is new. A man lived in Cairo, Egypt, for 28 years before he moved to Toronto. The pyramids of Giza, who are, which were approximately 30 minutes away from his house in Cairo. The man was asked how many times he had visited the pyramids, and he said, I saw them all the time, but I visited once. One of the greatest wonders of the world was within 30 minutes of him, and he visited once. Why does that mean anything? Well, 14 million people go to visit the pyramids every year. And a man lived within 30 minutes. In 28 years, he had visited once. We become so familiar. Now, I've got my own story. I've got my own story. I grew up in the metropolis of Kushpaquak. It was known for two things. It's where Jackie Votor lived. I can tell you about that story later if you'd like. And it's also where the Cushmacquack National Park is. It's a national park. I mean, it's beautiful. If you've never been to the Cushmacquack National Park, it's gorgeous. It's got three beaches. I think I got some pictures. Oh, yes. Here's, this is the boardwalk that goes out to the beach. That's, a, that's from up top. You can see all the way out to the Northumberland Strait. It's a gorgeous area. Picture of the beach. Like, I mean, you can't even find it any nicer than that in Myrtle Beach. Not a single soul there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> What's interesting is this was within six miles of where I lived. And I can count on my hands how many times in my lifetime that I went to the Cushpaquack National Park. We become so familiar with the things and the opportunities around us that we fall into what is called the law of familiarity. And in the scripture that I read to you, Jesus entered into Galilee. The Bible says, in the power of the Spirit, according to verse 14. And according to verse 15, everybody, it said, glorified him. He went into Galilee and had revival. 
I mean, everybody was excited to see him, hear him, bring the sick to him. Everybody wanted to spend time with him. The Bible clearly states he was glorified of all. That's a, an understanding of how powerful Jesus is and how great he was and how great he was representing his, his, the people that he was talking to and how he ministered to them. And then the very next verse, in verse 16, it says he enters Nazareth. And when he went into the synagogue, he read from Psalm, uh, Isaiah excuse me, 61. He found where it was written in Isaiah 61, and he read this, the Spirit of the Lord. God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Jesus found the scripture in Isaiah and he read this. And the Bible says, according to verse 20, that everybody was looking at Jesus. No one had their eyes off of him. It uses the word fastened. Attenzio, to gaze intently, to behold earnestly, to not look anywhere else. They had their eyes set upon him. And then he made this statement. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He sat down, they're fastened upon him with their gaze, and he responds to them, today this is happening. The one who is in front of you is the person that I'm reading about. That's what Jesus is stating. He says, you don't have to look any farther. You don't have to ask any more questions. The one that I'm reading to you about from Isaiah is here this day. That's what he's stating. Jesus was assuming the role of an oral reader in his hometown synagogue. It was customary for the Jewish synagogues to follow a lectionary-type schedule of readings. It would consist of a Torah selection of reading and then a reading from the prophets, uh, followed by an, an homily or a sermon expounding the scriptures. And the passage that Jesus chose in Isaiah originally addressed Jewish exiles that were, that were being depicted as liberating provisions uh, of the year of Jubilee from Leviticus 25. And he's drawing this to the age that's happening right then. This would show that the spirit-empowered age of when Jesus would be characterized as the anointed and the redemptive Savior that was preaching and healing. And he would bring restoration to their society, to the oppressed, to the marginalized, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the blind, and the bruised. Even though the Bible says they were impressed by Jesus's Gracious words they use and delivery. You see that in verse 22. They then stated this statement. 
Is not this Joseph's son? They have become so familiar with Jesus that they didn't even realize that who he's reading about is sitting right there with them. Their response was rather, is this not Joseph's son? He's just a carpenter's son. He's just one of us. Jesus responded with a popular proverb from that day. Physician, he said, heal thyself. Or save your own reputation by proving to us what you say is true. Jesus was reading their mail. He was saying, this is what you are stating. You've got to prove to us if you want us to believe that you are really the Messiah. They have become so familiar with Jesus that they lost sight of who he really was. They could point no sin in Jesus' past, but they definitely brought up the fact that he was just a local boy, just a common Jesus. As if that disqualified him from being the Messiah. In essence, they were saying Jesus is the son of this local carpenter. He's common, just like us. Where does he get the idea that he's something or someone special? The Messiah wouldn't come as just a tradesman. So he, in their minds, he says this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Jesus is the physician. And the Nazarenes are demanding that he would give them some type of a miraculous sign instead of just listening to the words that he read and said, this day is this fulfilled in your ears. In another word of saying, we won't believe the word that you say until you take care of what ails you. We are not going to listen to this proverb until you prove to us that you're more than just a common Jesus, more than just a carpenter's son. The basic idea is that no one wants to visit a doctor concerning a fever, if the doctor has a fever. <laughs> the advice of a dermatologist to help you with your skin, if you notice that he's got issues with all his skin, you probably lose confidence in what he's going to tell you. Hey, Jesus... The crowd is saying, before you help us, you've got to take care of who you are in our town. You have become too familiar to us. Can it be that we reach a place in our Christian walk that the law of familiarity hinders our relationship with God in 2023 
Because maybe we've been too many times in his presence. Maybe too many sermons that we've heard and too many opportunities for God to do things in our lives that we become so familiar with his presence that we lose the significance and the law of familiarity happens in our lives as well. Oh, it might not be that he lives in a carpenter's house in, in St. John. But is it that we have taken him for granted in our walk with, with him? Do we start demanding instead of serving? Do we want more instead of giving more? We expect the response from him before we commit. We make deals with God before we surrender. If you do this, then I'll do this. You need to prove yourself by doing this before I'll believe, I'll follow, I'll listen. We start giving him advice instead of listening to his voice. We know better what he needs to do than what the Almighty is doing. Oh, we might not come out and do it, church. We might not come out and say those phrases, but a lot of times our actions prove that the law of familiarity with Jesus has maybe reached that level. It got so bad that in verse 28, so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. In Galilee, all glorified him. But in Nazareth, they were filled with wrath. The spiritual leaders of the day, the people in the synagogue, the people at church. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. Just, just think of that for a second. We'd like you to leave the church and go your way. And we're not going to bother you. Just pick up your stuff and, and go your way, please. We don't want to have no confrontation. We don't want to. That's not what they did. Look what the Bible says. They thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of a cliff. This was one of their own. This is one of, of their people. And we, they're, they're not, even, not even giving him a, an easy way out. We're going to throw you over the cliff. I mean, you've got to really dislike someone. We're going to try to kill you. Folks, this, you, just, you just have to read the scripture. Think about what's happening here. And he made his way through the midst of them to get away so he's not thrown over the cliff. They have become so familiar with the carpenter's son that they got so angry that they said, we're going to do it our way and we're going to get rid of you. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty sad. They were going to throw 
Jesus over a cliff. The creator over the hill that he had made. The one who formed each of them was going to cast him to his death. I would say the law of familiarity had gone away too far. And is it possible that we reach a point sometimes in how we approach the Lord that we become so familiar that our hearts respond with a lack of fear of God, a lack of reverence of God? Well, he's just a God of love and not a God of judgment. Those scriptures are not relevant for today. I don't think his commandments is going to make that much of a difference. I can still sin and get away for, with it because he forgives. That's how we try to throw Jesus over the cliff in 2023. Because he can become so familiar to us as saints of God that we forget that he is the almighty God. We become, if we're not careful, self-righteous. Hear me this morning. I'm preaching to you what God put into my spirit for this morning. If we're not careful, we become judgmental. We know how to fix someone else, but we got sin in our own life that we ignore. This is the type of things that kind of creep into our spirit when Jesus becomes so familiar. Ah, I've got a few points with him. I'll be able to get by. I've been coming to church, being faithful for so many years. He'll let this one slide. The familiarity, the law of familiarity if we're not careful, creeps into our spirit. And we can come into a service where the presence of God is and not even reach out after him. Hear me this morning, church. You can hear the word of God and not respond. I'm not here to be popular this morning. I'm here to talk to you about the law of familiarity. And if we're not careful, we can call ourselves Pentecostal. We can call ourselves apostolic and miss the presence of the Lord in the very house of God. The people that were in the synagogue, as he read the scripture to them, they all sat down with their eyes fastened on him. And within moments, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Very short time later, Luke chapter 6. Verse 40, the disciple is not above his master, he says, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not? the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, he says, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. 
For of thorns men do gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. If you look at this passage, a moat, it signifies a very small, light substance. Like a piece of sawdust. A very small twig. Just a fleck of a branch that would go into your eye. I've had them many times working in the woods. Get home and trying to clean out all the stuff out of your eyes. Yet a beam is the largest piece of a house. It was the main, the main thrust of what went through the house. It was the largest of beams. Now I want you to see, Brother Robertson, come here. Brother Robertson has a moat in his eye. He has a twig. He has a piece of sawdust. And I have a beam. I mean, the largest piece of the house is sticking out of my eye. And yet, I'm trying to get the piece of sawdust out of his. And his thoughts are, could you just back up a couple feet? I can't miss the beam. He's not saying it, but it's kind of like, would you just kind of step to the side because you got a beam that's out of your eye. While I'm trying to get the fleck, the speck, the piece of sawdust out of his. And Jesus brings this out and he says to his disciples, listen, you're trying to fix the issue with him. And you've become so familiar with me that you can't even see what you're dealing with within yourself. And he, he shares this with his disciples. Folks, this is what happens when we become into a place of so familiar that we become self-righteous, and judgmental. And we, we get into this mindset that I'm going to fix and I'm going to straighten out and I'm going to help people. And I mean, we're walking around with the biggest beam of the house in our own life. And if we're not careful, the law of familiarity was just like the people in Nazareth. That the very Messiah was sitting there reading from the scripture of Isaiah. Have come to help the brokenhearted. Have come to help the people that were marginalized. Have come to set free the captives. And to put back together those that are bruised. And to give sight to the blind. And he's talking about himself. And they're missing the point of who he is. So how do I stop the law of familiarity from ruining my life? An author by the name of Paul Thomas, he's a secular author, but he writes and it's got principles that can be attributed to how we as Christians can act towards this law of familiarity when it comes to our walk with God. 
the first thing he says that you and I must do is to show gratitude. To appreciate the things that are currently taking place in yours and my life and not take them for granted. We can talk about all the negative things in the world, but you and I had the opportunity this morning to come into the house of God, to lift up worship and adoration and thanksgiving to Him, to hear the Word of God freely and in freedom this morning. And you'll be able to leave this place and no one will try to stop you. And you'll be able to serve God throughout the week. And if you put your mind to it, no one can hinder you from serving Him. Let there be a gratitude that arises of who Jesus is and what He's done for you. He brought you out of darkness uh, into his marvelous light. Don't allow the law of familiarity to get a hold of your spirit uh, and lose the thankfulness uh, of what Jesus has done for you. He's more than just a carpenter's son. He's more than just a neighbor in Nazareth. He is the Almighty. He is the first and the last. He is, hallelujah, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Let gratitude arise from you. Listen, if you want to find issues, you can find issues. But let there be a thankfulness that arises from your spirit and from your heart of who Jesus is. Sometimes people get this in their head. I don't want to go to church because there's too many hypocrites there. My response to that, you can go to church with a few or go to hell with them all. I'm serious. I didn't come to church this morning because you were here or weren't here. I, become, I came here because Jesus is here. I come to worship him. I've come to praise him. I've come to lift him up. And there's going to be gratitude that arises from my spirit this morning of who he is. Hallelujah. It's not whether you get with it or whether you don't get with it. I would rather you did. But I've come to worship him because of who he is. Don't allow yourself to be controlled, hallelujah, by the thoughts and the actions of other individuals. Serve God because he's God. There might even be someone here this morning that doesn't like me. I feel bad for you. But even if I asked you to stand and you were willing to stand, I won't look up in case anyone's standing. Don't walk out right now. But even if there was few people standing this morning that didn't like me, it would not hinder me from coming to the house of the Lord. Because I didn't come for you. I came for him. I've come to his house. I've come to worship him. Amen. I've come... I've come because I'm going to be like the ones in Galilee. They were, they were glorifying him because of who he was. Not because he was a carpenter's son. Not because he, he was Joseph and Mary's son. No, no, no. I know. They were worshiping him because he was the Messiah. 
Yeah. Music come. Number two, Paul Thomas says, act as if a still new thing is happening and you're excited about it. Act like it's still new to you. Do you know what happens when someone gives their heart to God for the first time? I mean, there's an excitement that happens in their life like nothing else. I mean, they've got a new relationship with Jesus, and they're excited about it. Treat the person like you're in the beginning of a relationship, and there will be no end. Act towards Jesus just like it was the first day you gave your heart to him, and it will never come old. Forty-some years ago, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm more excited to to live for him today than I was 40-some years ago. I'm closer to the coming of the Lord. It hasn't become old. It's not going to become stagnant. It isn't going to become crusty. Hallelujah and stale. No, no, no. The law of familiarity is not something that can grip you. It's got to be new and exciting in August of 23. Well, pastor, I've grown up and I've more matured and, I, and I've been able to handle my emotions and I don't get as excited as I used to be. You need a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost because he hasn't changed. The only thing that happens is we change. And I don't want to change for anything that I think that I get to some place where I'm familiar with his presence. No, no, no. I want it to be the exact opposite. When I come into the house of the Lord, Jesus is there. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Paul Thomas says, pay more attention to the important areas of your life. Pay more attention to things that are important to you. He uses the aspects of career and family and health. And he says to be proactive and expect and make positive changes in your areas of life. I'll give it to you in my terms. Don't back up. Just go ahead. Don't look behind. Keep aiming forward. Stop looking over your shoulder. Look at where God's taken you. Hallelujah. Get excited about the areas of your life that are the most important. Hallelujah. Where God's brought you from, but where he's taken you. God, I don't know what you're doing exactly, but I'm excited and I'm anticipating what you're going to do. I'm expecting, God, something in my life, in my future that I've never seen or had happened before. talking about positive changes where God is refining me and he's sending off the rough edges and he's 
He's making me more like Him. And when you start looking at that, instead of, well, this, I'm so sad about that. Woo-hoo. No, 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 don't do any of that. That's looking over your shoulder. Get your eyes on the prize and press forward to that prize. The prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep the faith and finish the course. Don't get too familiar in your walk with God. Lastly, Paul Thomas says, seek variety. Another great way of saying that is, don't become comfortable. You might even want to change seats once in a while. Oh, you don't think? Trust me. Pastor can look across this building and in very few moments know who's here and who's not here because I know where you usually sit and when I'm crossing over to there someone who used to sit over there is sitting now over here what has just happened it might not even be a bad thing to even change up your seat once in a while It might not even be a bad thing to come on time once in a while. Did I just say that? I had someone tell me one time, Pastor, we didn't know that was happening. And I said, well, you're never there for the announcements. Man, I, that, that's not in my notes. None of that's in there. I'll stay up here. Don't allow yourself to become comfortable. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to grow. I'm going to reach. I'm going to allow myself to become everything that God wants me to become. Because I will not allow myself to fall into the law of familiarity. An accident might happen too close to home. The wonders of what God is doing may be right in front of me and I don't visit it. And the spectacular view that I've lived around for the first half of my life I didn't experience because I took for granted how awesome it really was. And people travel from all over the world. Not a joke. Travel from all over the world to go to Cushapaquack National Park. Seriously? Yeah, they do. People bring a tent. People bring travel trailers. People stay for weeks on end. And I'm six miles from the entrance. And I had not taken advantage of it. Brother Damon said, it was right there. It became so familiar that I missed 
the beauty. And I'm telling you this morning, let your gratitude arise. Get yourself excited about Jesus and what he's doing. Pay attention to the important areas of your life. And don't allow yourself to become comfortable. Because instead of glorifying him, you may be trying to throw him off the cliff. Don't allow that to happen in your walk with God. Stand if you would. God, I thank you for what you've laid into my spirit this morning. And someone, God, who may be struggling with just the status quo of serving you. The mundane of the day, the weeks and the months, where it just becomes a blur. And it becomes so familiar that we miss what you're doing in our midst. And we forget how powerful and awesome the transformation was in our life. And how exciting and new you still are, God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we fall into the trap of becoming so so comfortable and so familiar that we miss out on the important things that you're trying to do through us, God. Stir up the gift that is within us this morning, Jesus. Stir it up, God, in our hearts today and let there be a fresh, a renewed, Lord, a revival that happens inside of me this morning. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.